Birth is something that women do, not something that happens to them. The birth-giving woman is the central agent in the ancient drama of life bringing forth new life. Ina May Gaskin Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well, Jess. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, too. It's been a minute since we've done this together. Yeah, it has. Although I've enjoyed all of our conversations behind the scenes in the meantime. Yes. Yay for Marco Polo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's awesome. Yes. And we even got to meet up once over the holiday break. I was visiting Utah. We met up at a little Starbucks right after you had a birth. Mm -hmm. And that was so fun to be together in real life. It was so fun. I am so grateful for the friends that I have that I've connected with largely on this quest and with like my birth work as well, that you can just kind of keep in touch in little ways, Marco Polo or texts in between conversations. But when you meet up in person, it's like you're picking up right where you left off. There isn't like this weird sense of needing to do pleasantries at the beginning, right? Like you just jump right into how's real life going for you. That authenticity is awesome. So I love, loved meeting up with you and just feeling like, Yeah, we barely ever get together in person, but we can just jump right into the heart stuff when we talk. Yes, and I'm so grateful for these connections because this can be a hard, hard work to be doing. And so it's really nice to know that there are other women who are in the same work. And I'm sure men too, but most of my friends in it happen to be women. So I'm just so grateful to know somebody who I can relate to in so many ways. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being you. I'm so glad we've kept in touch over the years. Me too. So we wanted to talk this episode about birth work and specifically your work as it relates to birth and empowering women and leading them to the mother in this really unique and pivotal way. So let's talk a little bit about why you chose this as a career path and what you hope to do as a midwife and a doula. Okay, so everybody heard the anchor at the beginning of this episode, and I've referenced a couple of times offhand in other episodes that My job is that I'm a birth doula, which many people are familiar with what that means, but not everyone. So a birth doula provides support, emotional, physical, and informational or educational support to families through their pregnancies, the birth experience, and the early postpartum period. So I basically have the best job in the world, except for the part where I sometimes get rent like you know, calls in the middle of the night to go to birth. It's, I mean, it's a two-edged sword because it's awesome. I would, there's nothing I would prefer to be doing 
other than sleeping is nice and we make that happen too. So (laughs) (laughs) that's the one drawback. But it is basically the best job in the world. I get to connect with couples as they're preparing to bring a life into the world. I meet with them in their homes a couple of times. We talk about their preferences and their hopes and their goals for their upcoming birth. And we make a plan for how to meet those goals and how I can support them in that. And I teach classes about how to prepare for birth. And then I get to be in the birth space, which is one of the most sacred environments on the earth, whether people choose to give birth at home or in a birth center in a hospital. I like there's this beauty and this sanctity that comes when a family expands. Sometimes it's their first baby or sometimes I think fifth is the largest family that I've been a part of as they welcomed their fifth child. Um, But in that space, the mother is literally acting as the veil through which this baby is passed. Like we talked about in the episode with Katie Garner and her painting where a baby is being passed from heavenly mother's hands into the mother, the earthly mother's hands. Um, Okay. You're going to have to rein me in sometimes because I could go. Oh, no. (laughs) I could just go and go. So you asked how I got into the work. I was giving a little blurb about what it was and then got all (laughs) excited. Because you're passionate. This is your work. This is, and I love it too. So I can just sit and listen to you. I know. I love it. The first time Jess and I were on a podcast together, it was actually my previous podcast called Birth Words, and she was a guest on it for me, telling her stories of her home births that were just beautiful, awesome experiences. Yes, and this is reminding me as well of our introductory episode where you talk about how your own birth was kind of what led you into this space of seeking the divine feminine. So I love how this is coming full circle in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, so that's how how I got into birth work, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, my first pregnancy was a twin pregnancy. Um, and I didn't, I just kind of accepted this like high risk label that was put on me and did kind of let everybody else make decisions about my pregnancy and birth. And, um, it unfolded in a way that was really, there were lots of complications and I felt Unlike the quote by Anna Gaskin at the beginning, like I was being acted upon throughout the whole experience. Um, and I didn't feel that empowerment of being the agent of life bringing forth new life. Obviously, I fell in love with my daughters and, and, and very fortunately, the difficult experience of their birth didn't impact my ability to bond with them. Um, but it, also, it didn't do anything for my feelings of worth or self-divine nature or self-efficacy. Any of those things were diminished, if anything, through that experience um, because I felt like it was something that happened to me and is honestly something that I'm still healing from. But a few years later, I had another baby and I prepared very differently for his birth. And I made a lot of choices along the way. And after his birth, um, 
I walked away from it with a, just a sense of wonder of like, holy cow, my body is so cool. I did this incredible thing. And yes, it was intense. And there were parts that were painful. And it was the most physically demanding thing I'd done, which is one of the reasons it gave me so much awe over my own power and my ability to bring forth life. And during that whole journey of preparing for that birth and during that pregnancy, um, I read a book. I'm not sure if we referenced it on this podcast before. The Gift of Giving Life. That's a compilation of essays and other things by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on topics relating to pregnancy and birth. And that was the first place that I really read about people openly speaking of Heavenly Mother and talking about the connections that they felt with her. And as they found their own creative power, connecting with the feminine divine creative power, um, and having the experience that I did where I was awakened to that power within myself, I had to turn around and start and supporting other people as they had the same sorts of experiences. And I know that for some of my clients, they're more private about their spiritual lives, but some are more open and we get to talk a little bit about these sorts of things and the connections they're making and how they're discovering. One of my clients is also one of my very good friends and gave me a print of the color ambers painting of Heavenly Mother with just like four or five daughters on either side of her and wrote in a card just thanking me for um, teaching her so much about Heavenly Mother. And the thing is, we'd had short conversations here and there, but mostly the way that that had happened was through supporting her in this amazing life-giving work that she was doing where she was channeling her divine creative power and connecting to her divine creatress and the femininity of that um, connection. Mm. And since then, that so I've been a doula for four and a half years and like the fire keeps on burning and growing and I can't <laughs> stop won't stop um one of the most powerful spiritual experiences i've had in recent years is driving home from a consultation with a potential client feeling like i could just feel the mother saying this is my work thank you for doing my work mm -hmm. um and so i am planning to continue doing this kind of work. I am going to continue being a birth doula for the next little while, but in the meantime, I'm also going to be doing more schooling so that eventually, if everything goes smoothly, it will be five years from now, but if life uh, unfolds in a bumpier manner, then it might be a little longer than that. My plan is to be a certified nurse midwife. Um, so there's several years of school between where I am now and that goal, but it's one I've started working towards and one I plan to continue working towards. 
and putting a lot of time and energy into it because this work is one that I just feel so called to do and so passionate about following that call. That is awesome. I'm so grateful, so grateful that there are women like you who pursue this work, even though it can be a sleepless work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being like, someone, I really love sleep. So I kind of <laughs> love birth work even more. That shows you how important this is to you, right? Um, being someone who has used a midwife at each of my three births, I am so grateful that there is an alternative for people who want to have a different experience than the doctor in the hospital, somebody else making all the decisions. Um, And of course, doctors can be wonderful and hospitals can be wonderful. But I love how you talked about the agency and how what's mm-hmm. empowering for women or for, was for you was being able to make the decisions yourself and not feel like this was just being done to you. And I love how that relates to the gospel, right? How our heavenly parents want us to have agency. And I've been thinking lately while we're starting um, learning about the Old Testament for Come Follow Me. I've been thinking about how obedience is the first law, right? Like obedience is the first law of heaven. Is that what the phrase is? And this concept of like, why is it the first law? Does that mean like it's the best law or like the the top, like number one? And I've started to think that maybe there's something more to it, that it is the first law and then there is a next law and we're supposed to Mm. grow beyond just obeying. Obeying is good. Obeying can help us, you know, if there's an authority figure who we trust and who truly has our best interest at heart and say we're a toddler, then it can be really helpful to listen to that person, right? Until we develop more and until we exercise our own ability to make those choices on our own. And For me, that's been a really important part of becoming a woman, becoming an adult, is learning to start to trust myself and my intuition and the decisions that I feel are best. And birth is such a wonderful way to practice that for a lot of us who grew up our whole lives just obeying the plan. So I feel like birth has been an entrance point to many of the people we've talked to about divine femininity and about Heavenly Mother. And maybe this has something to do with it is that you feel empowered. You finally feel her power running through you um, in a way like never before when you make these decisions that are extremely impactful for yourself and your baby. Yeah. And Two, going along with talking about obedience being the first law and this creation, beginning of the world, we have the story of Eve and Adam. And I feel like Eve is the embodiment of that principle of life bringing forth new life through her agency. And that, oh, 
it's Natalie, right, that has that beautiful painting of Eve making the choice to partake of the fruit in conversation with Heavenly Mother. Like, oh, it's yes. beautiful. Yes. Um, and when Natalie you mentioned, Jean Art. Yes. And when you mentioned Natalie, at first I thought you were going to reference her painting of Eve being pregnant with the world, which is which also is awesome too. So beautiful. Yes. yes. Okay. So go follow Natalie Jean Art for all things awesome art. Yes. Relating to <laughs> these topics. But yeah, just this, the centrality of women making choices. And one of the things that keeps me going and working in birth work is that, as you alluded to, just like, it's not necessarily the norm. If you just follow, do what people normally do when they give birth and you just choose whatever OB is closest to you and whatever hospital's closest to you, often, and each community is different, but often that looks like often a male authority figure. And I'm, there are wonderful male OBs too. I could name some for you, but often a male authority figure kind of being like, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do for you. Um, and I feel that it's so critically important that women birth givers, when they are in the act of bringing forth new life, are being agents and are gathering information, just like Eve did, right? I think that there's so much that we don't know about Eve, although Alin, our mother Eve, is bringing out all kinds of good stuff about what is known. Yes. Um, but I don't think she was just haphazardly like, oh, well, like, here's a fruit. Let's eat it. And I th think it'll be good. Let's see what happens. I think that she gathered information, weighed the pros and cons, knew that there were risks either way and made the choice that was necessary for growth. And I think that that happens in the birth space all the time. You and during pregnancy, you gather all the best information, all the evidence, all the best things you can. You tap into your intuition. You commune with heavenly mother and you move forward in the way that feels right and good for you and your baby in this really big important work of bringing forth new life and i that's the type of support i love to give is supporting being alongside those families as they're making those choices and being agents in their birth space and in their prenatal appointments um because Although there are always unknowns in birth, things are always going to go differently than you imagined they would. When you've practiced being an agent and you act as an agent in that space, then your birth experience can be that enlightening awakenment, uh, enlightenment awakening, this experience that helps you connect with the divinity within yourself and with the divine mother of us all. Mm. I love that. There's so much there. It's beautiful. And I'm wondering, too, how much of this birth process is possible and happens throughout our lives even when we're not pregnant or giving birth or never do, right? As women, yes. we all have this ability to, like President Nelson said, make important things happen by our faith just as Eve did. She was called the mother of all living before she had any babies. Yeah. And so we all have that potential, even if we never 
hire a doula because we don't even have babies, right? We are birthing mm-hmm. together. We are birthing new culture, new ideas, new ways of doing things, new art, new poetry, new teachings, um, so many things. So I hope that this doesn't seem like a very limited (laughs) thing that's only for, you know, pregnant and birthing mothers. But I think it's just a really powerful aspect to look at of womanhood that has so many lessons for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Okay. Can I read a poem by Jess Burdett? I don't know if you've heard of her. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So Jess wrote an awesome poem earlier, which was encapsulates the ideas you were just expressing um, because they're your own. But Mm -hmm. um, she wrote this poem and posted it earlier this week on Instagram, Daughters of the Sea. And we all synced up and cycled with the moon and remembered the moon was our mother. Expand and contract. Crest, break, and descend. Birthing all things anew together. <laughs> Mic drop, right? <laughs> um, I love that idea. I love the imagery of conceiving ideas and then the gestation period, right? That's this time when we kind of let ideas cook and grow and whether it's an idea for a, an artwork or a book or a research project or a plan for your family or for yourself, for your future goals. Like we conceive an idea, it gestates and then we birth something. And there's always this struggle and this incomparable beauty of the birthing of new things, whether they're ideas, artwork, new life, human life, um, new personal life. Oh, like in Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd, a book that Jess recommended recently. She dreams before her feminine awakening, her spiritual feminist awakening. She has a dream that she is pregnant and gives birth alone on an island and she looks down at the baby and it is herself. And she's like, whoa, what does this mean? But right, like we give birth to ourselves throughout our lives as we continue to grow and come into our own. Yeah. Yes. And that preparation period is so important. And even Christ had that where he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 Mm -hmm. days. And that number 40 throughout the scriptures has been super interesting to me these last couple years since realizing that the number 40 is magical because for me, like 40 represents the weeks of gestation. Like That's Mm -hmm. how long it takes. And so one of those sneaky feminine principles that's in the scriptures that we don't even really see unless we see (laughs) those who have eyes Mm -hmm. to see right yeah Mm. that's beautiful i'm glad that you brought up sue monk kid's experience of birthing herself and when i read that 
I thought the same thing that we have that opportunity to birth ourselves anew, but also that not all of us will, or that I could live my entire life and not do that, right? Mm -hmm. I could stay at law number one and just obey and not progress. I could never leave my Garden of Eden. And so I think although it's scary, and like you said, there are risks, it's this opportunity that we have to allow ourselves to gestate and to become, become something new, like shed, you know, every month we have an opportunity to shed and the snake is this beautiful feminine symbol. And if we tap into that power and let old things die and new things be born, then we can really learn our true potential and who we can ultimately be, which is, I think, the great gift of this life. Yeah. And with that, we have a little bit of a death to talk about. I was thinking, actually, as you were talking about the menstrual cycle and shedding every month and um, some of the conversations that Jess and I have been having over Marco Polo and um, it's winter, right? And winter, I know some people love it. People that ski, but I don't <laughs> ski. So I hate it. It's always a really dark time for me because literally we have the shortest amount of daylight. Um, and I remember you, Jess, you saying like, let this be a winter for you. Let some things fall off. What like, figure out what they are. Um, and it's not yet spring, but moving towards this new life that spring symbolizes. Um, I guess we have a little bit of an announcement to make. So I mentioned that I love birth work so much and that I'm working towards becoming a midwife, that I have several doula clients that I get to spend a lot of time supporting them and attending their births and um, have come to the realization recently that at this season in my life, I need to be, that that's the work that I have been called to do and need to be spending a lot of my time and focus on. In addition, of course, to the time and focus I spend on my relationships with those closest to me, um, my family, especially. But with that, I am going to be stepping back from co-hosting this podcast um, so that I can fully focus my energy on this part of the work that I've been called to do. Um, and when I had this realization, I felt a lot of peace that I'm not stepping away from this work. Jess and I are still involved in the same work, but the part of it that I need to focus on at this season in my life is the birth work, um, and the doula work that I've been doing and preparing to become a midwife in the future. And so this will be my last episode, unless I pop back on as a guest in the future, which I hope that the door can continue to be open. Of course. I would love, love, love it. 
Um, and I'm still going to be Marco Poloing you, Jess. And like, you can't get rid of me. Good. <laughs> but um, I have been so grateful for this space and for the feedback that we get from people in our lives that we know personally that we haven't talked to for years and other people that I've never met that I connect with, that I've connected with because of this. And there have been so many people like that who have just kind of come out of the woodwork that have been these beautiful, awesome connections. And I think that's something that I will miss the most as I shift my effort in my time away from podcasting, host, co-hosting this podcast. So thank you for being incredible listeners and Jess for being the best co-host out there. <laughs> and everyone for your support, whether it's been voiced or silent. It means the world to me. Oh, thank you, Sarah. So, so much. When you first told me that you would be stepping away, I wanted to, I had all these things come into my head of, you know, reasons that you should stay and like things that I could use to persuade you. And then I had that feeling of peace too, that everything was going to be okay and that the podcast will continue to be what it needs to be, that the right things will happen at the right times. And I just really trust you and your decision and your knowing. And I just, I bless you. I thank you. I'm so grateful for these months that we've had together. Of course, we'd love to have you back. And I'm so grateful for what this podcast has been so far. It's been just amazing learning and growing through it with you. So just thank you is not, not sufficient. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to watching where the podcast continues to go. I know that you and I just have talked about several ideas of directions we might want to take things topics we might want to tackle, people we might want to talk to. And I know that you are just a well of ideas and resources. And oh my goodness, your commitment and energy is incredible that you just keep on going. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited you. to watch and see how things continue to unfold. Thank you. Well, as a final question to you for this episode, Sarah, because... We definitely need to have you back. Is what is your hope for the women, the listeners, and your vision for the podcast and the women of the church? My hope is that every listener to this podcast can find the divinity within themselves and know at each moment what it looks like and feels like to be practicing being an agent, making choices and being aware of their, their worth and their divinity and their power and be able to move forward in that power. Thank you. And I pray, Sarah, that you can feel that too. 
now and moving forward and i just wish you the best in your work current and future with birth work and empowering women you do that so beautifully and you have been a gift in doing that for the listeners of our podcast here and for me so just keep shining your light and moving forward and we can't wait to see what the future holds for you thanks jess thank you for choosing to spend some time with us today we love this community and would be thrilled to hear from you please leave us a review If you would like to support the podcast, you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents on up to $9.99 at anchor.fm slash inherimage slash support. We hope you'll subscribe and join us again next Sunday for another inspiring episode.